Hey friends, my name is Katie Bulmer, and this is the Truth For Your 20s podcast, and this is the last episode of 2021. What a year. I mean, (laughs) I don't even know what to say. What a year. I hope that overall, as you look back, it's been a good year. I, I know it's been a lot. It's been a lot of things, right? But I hope that it's been good. I encourage you this time of year as we kind of look at what's ahead But before you do that, take a step and look back at what happened. One of the things I like to do is do a year-end audit. And essentially, that means just looking back at what I spent my time on, what worked and what didn't, what was a good use of my time and what wasn't. Um, When it comes to friendships, like what relationships did I spend a lot of investment in, you know, and what was a good decision? What was it? What about money? How did I spend my time? What did I want to invest in? What should I have saved more or spent less or or whatever it may be? Just doing a, I mean, essentially a profit and loss sheet, right? Uh, Just analyzing or auditing your year and looking back and it really just helps, you know, I remember before we moved from Statesboro, I thought like, gosh, there were some friendships I wish I would have invested in more. And there were some relationships that I, you know, didn't really serve me or them. And I just spent a lot of time trying to make stuff. So all I'm trying to say is looking back before you look forward is really helpful. And that is exactly what we are doing on today's episode. I'm looking back at the top five episodes of 2021, which isn't quite as simple as you would think. So with any podcasting platform, you can look back and I just did the, you know, from January 2021 to December 2021, give me the top 10 episodes. And it does, but it's complicated because... Well, for a couple reasons, but one big reason is recently I had a reel go viral and that reel was promoting a podcast episode. (laughs) It was a podcast episode with Cassidy. It was called Porn. Let's talk about it. And that reel got 5 million views. Yes, you heard that number correctly. And so that led to, I think it was 12,000 downloads of this episode. It's all just bananas and bonkers. But as you can imagine, the numbers went a little askew. (laughs) So that episode was definitely our top download. And then the ones near it, when people found the episode for the first time, they would listen to episodes near that. And so they were really high. So with that in mind, I tried to look at genuinely what were the top downloads and When this podcast has its year anniversary in July, I like to share our top episodes from that time as well. So anyway, all that being said, it was a little tricky, but within those top 10 downloads, I was able to figure out the top five. So without further ado, here they are. Hey, my name is Katie Bulmer. I was your typical heartbroken and hungover sorority girl who looked for love in boys, Bacardi, and did I mention boys? After the breakup that broke me, I met the only man who can truly fulfill me. His name is Jesus. Shortly after that, I met my husband, the best example I have met of Jesus on this earth. Today, I have never been more sure I am right where I'm supposed to be on a mission to help today's young women find their life calling, stop dating dirtbags, and basically just be who I needed when I was younger. I've been called a big sis, an adopted mom, or my favorite title, a cool aunt. 
But however you think of me, get ready to be challenged and encouraged. This is the Truth For Your 20s podcast. All right, counting down the top five episodes of 2021. To be clear, we're just going to do clips of these most popular episodes. I'm not doing five full-length episodes, but we will have links to the full recorded episode in the show notes, so you can easily just click on over if you want to hear more. But the fifth most downloaded episode was practical tips for living on your own for the very first time. This was a solo episode I did and it was based on questions I get from you on the internet. And so we talked about everything from how to not kill your houseplants to easy to make dinner recipes and a lot of different points in between. And I'm really glad you liked this episode. Here is a clip. My biggest, best advice for coming to a new city, starting a new school year, living on your own is to find your people. This is hugely important, especially if you identify as a Christian, because no man or woman is supposed to be an island. We were never made to do this faith-based life on our own. We were never made to live the Christian life on our own. We are made to live in community and having brothers and sisters who support you especially when you're on your own away from your family for the first time is like, I cannot state enough how vital that is. So I would say week one, when you are find yourself in a new city or a new place, look it up, go Google it. You know, where are perhaps a college based group? I highly recommend Greek university. I also recommend finding a church wherever you find yourself. There are you know, millions of different types of churches. I, you know, whatever is important to you, but go to a few churches and find a small group where you can connect. Because if you are just walking in and walking out on a Sunday, you have not found your people. You have not found your community, but finding a small group. I talked to a girl the other day who really wanted to get connected, but you know, there was this really, really huge mega church and she liked it. She loved the messages. She loved everything about it, but wasn't feeling connected. I'm like, well, yeah, you got to get in a small group. You got to get connected. So I definitely encourage you to find your people when it comes to this time of life and hopefully find a Christian community because again, no man or no woman is an Island and we were never made to do this life on our own. Okay. Let's talk about houseplants. <laughs> There's no good way to transition from finding your best life to houseplants. But like I said, I asked a lot of people what you want to hear about and houseplants is one of them. So let's get into it. When I was your age, I killed a peace lily. Maybe you have no idea what a peace lily is, but it's actually a pretty hard to kill plant. But what can I say? I've always wanted to be an overachiever. <laughs> actually, this is embarrassing, but my boyfriend at the time, his grandmother passed away and peace lilies are a very common plant given at funerals. And I don't remember the circumstances, but I somehow ended up with this peace lily from his grandmother's funeral. And I brought it to live with me at the sorority house and it did not live very long. I would have told you at the time, oh, it's just because I have a black thumb. Like I just can't do it. Right. But now when I hear people say, I just have a black thumb. I'm like, mm, I argue everyone has a green thumb. It's just, if you choose to pay attention to your plant. 
Obviously, living on your own does not require you to have a house plant, but I will say they do add beauty to your space. They clean the air and they're very affordable and actually very rewarding. So that girl who killed a peace lily at her sorority house, me, grew up to someone who loves plants. Last I counted, I have 12 house plants and I know I've bought some since then, so I'm not even sure how many I have now, but they're very rewarding and very fun and they're just like a little pet almost that is much easier to take care of. So if you choose to get a houseplant, a lot of people suggest succulents and or cacti. And that is suggested because they can go a long time without water. So of course, easier to take care of. But I don't always suggest that as someone's first plant because typically what happens is if you get a plant that does well with neglect, well, if you always neglect it, then guess what? It's eventually going to die. But if you get something that kind of signals to you when it needs a little help, you know what I mean? Or if maybe you have a weekly, like every Tuesday, I give this plant water, then you get in the habit of taking care of your little plant baby and you get to see it grow and you get to see it flourish. So my first plant recommendation, and again, this is just my opinion, but I suggest getting a golden pothos. That is what it's called. I'll link it right here, but a golden pothos, P-O-T-H-O-S. And there's actually several different types of pothos. You can get a regular kind, but they are a trailing plant. You've probably seen them in someone's house or they're popular at restaurants and stores. They're great for baskets. They're great in a sunny window. They're great in a little bit of a darker place as well. Of course, all plants need some light and they will do better at a window, but golden pothos are very adaptable and they start to look a little bit wilted and a little bit like they're saying, help me <laughs> when they need water, which is good because they're telling you, ah, uh, hey, help a sister out and give me some water. And you can respond to that, give them some water, and it almost immediately perks back up. These are also very nice first plants because they're actually easy to share with friends. You can just take a little cutting from your golden pothos and stick it in water and it will eventually grow roots and you can give it to a friend and you can share the golden pothos love and you and your friends will all become plant lovers before you even knew it and you'll have a garden and it will just be wonderful and you can thank me later. <laughs> just kidding. The other random advice I have for living on your own is learning to cook. Hopefully you've made it to this point in your life and you know how to cook at least a little bit of something. But I still remember very vividly my freshman year in college, my roommate and I, my poor roommate knew how to cook nothing. And one time it was her and I and several friends and we were hanging out at like 2 a.m. as 18 year olds do. And I started making pineapple chicken. And I remember there's probably about five of us in the apartment just chatting. And they looked at me like, what? You, wh what? <laughs> like I had a third eye, I guess in a good way that I could make pineapple chicken. And let me tell you, you want to win some friends as a 18 year old, <laughs> know how to make a few basic recipes because then I you know, it just was a great skill to have. So I want to share with you a recipe. I'm not going to do the pineapple chicken one because that's a little bit more complicated, but this is a super, super simple recipe that anyone can make. Now, disclaimer, if you are a type A, I remember sharing this recipe with my friend who was an accountant and she looked at me with her eyes glazed over because she's like, I need to know exact amounts. I need to know exact amounts. I can't help you. This is more of a, like a pinch of this, a dash of that. 
but everyone else has really liked this recipe and can glean from it. So hopefully you are, uh, can deal with a recipe that is kind of winging it because this is so hard to mess up. Okay. This is Tex-Mex chicken in a crock pot. Now, a lot of you are like, what? I just, I don't have a crock pot. I'm 22 years old. If you don't have a crock pot, it's totally fine. I'm going to give you the crock pot recipe and then you can very simply put it in a pan and make it as well. So if you do have a crock pot, you just put in, you can do a frozen chicken and put it on low. And then you're going to add, depending on how much you want to make, a can or two of black beans, a jar of salsa, a can of corn, and this is where you can kind of get creative as well. You can also add a cream of a can of cream of chicken soup or a block of cream cheese, and then you can add maybe some chili beans to it, maybe some more salsa, maybe some more chicken, depending on how much you want to make. And this is a Tex-Mex meal, so it's kind of hard to mess up. And you just throw it all in the crock pot and let it do its thing for several hours. I would say if it's frozen chicken, at least like six hours, put it on at lunch. You'll have it later for dinner. Or maybe if you need to speed it up, you can do it on high. But to have that chicken all fall apart-ish, especially if it's frozen, you want to do it on low. If your chicken's dethawed, you can do it um, on low and it will cook a lot faster. But put all that together and then it's all mushed together, this delicious Tex-Mex black bean chicken creamy deliciousness and you eat it with tortilla chips let me tell you boys and girls you're gonna win a lot of friends now if you're like okay cool but I don't have a crock pot I would suggest just getting a pot getting thawed chicken cutting it up and sauteing it on the pan first nothing else then adding all the other stuff I talked about and let it just kind of melt together and mush together and just as easily you can share and serve that with some chips. Yummy, yummy. Okay, while we are talking about food, my other biggest suggestion is to eat breakfast. So many people just run out the door and don't eat breakfast. It is truly, you probably already said, your most important meal of the day. You are breaking your fast from sleeping. And it actually is better for you. Some people are like, oh, I want to save the calories. No, when you eat at least 300 calories for breakfast, it jump starts your metabolism and you start to, everything starts to work more. If you're not eating, then your body thinks it is starving and it starts to like very conservatively use energy versus waking up, getting started, eating at least 300 calories or more. Breakfast is so important. I'm a big believer in breakfast. Another quick recipe. This is super easy and also something that is very easy to change up is overnight oats. I've played with this. Some recipes I like and some I don't, but essentially you can just get mason jars and I'd get seven at a time, one for every day of the week. Seven mason jars, put a half a cup of just dried oats, plain oats in there, a half a cup of almond milk, and then you can vary it up as much as you want. You could do some frozen fruit. You could do some chia seeds, maybe some nuts. I like to serve it with some sliced bananas and a little bit of maple syrup to sweeten it. It's also good if you like protein powder in your shakes or perhaps a little bit of vanilla to give it some flavor. Again, this is something you can definitely change up and do to your liking. Some people like apples and some cinnamon in it, but this is a very easy way you can do all at once. You can do it on Sunday night and then make yourself meals for the rest of the week. Get yourself a high protein packed breakfast. I promise you will thank me later. It does such a good favor for your body to give it some nutrition before you start your day.
A few more notes about food. When I meal prep, it makes my life so much easier. So if you want to get together with some roommates or friends and pick a day of the week that you just meal prep and decide like what you're making and just do all the chopping and cutting and bulk cooking as you can, I, oh, it's such a relief to just know what you're having for dinner and you can just pop it out of the refrigerator and microwave it. Or if you've done some freezer meals, you can easily take those out and dethaw them as well. But I don't do it all the time, but when I do, I'm so thankful when I do meal prepping. And it's also a fun thing to do if you're young and just get together with your friends and do that kind of stuff, put on some music and meal prep. And at the very least, you can do some chopping and cutting when you get home from the grocery store. So I know that if we get home with a lot of fruit and vegetables, they are much more likely to get eaten if I immediately take them out, wash them off, chop them up and put them back in some type of easily to serve container, then they'll be gone in a minute, which is good. You want them to be eaten versus to rot in the refrigerator, right? Another fun tip I learned a long time ago about cleaning produce, a very effective, affordable, easy, green way to do that, especially grapes, because grapes can carry a lot of pesticides and junk on them, is I get um, like just a big mixing bowl and put my grapes in there and add about uh, about a, a half a cup of vinegar and fill the rest. I don't fill it all the way, but I fill a lot of water in there and just put my hand in there and kind of swish them around, kind of try and wash them off, you know? And then I usually put the grapes back into the container that they came in with all the holes because then the water and vinegar dumps out through all of the holes, rinse them off again to try and get any vinegar off and just put them back in the refrigerator. You can kind of see some of the like brown yuckiness that you wash off, which is very rewarding. <laughs> But that's a fun, easy, free, cheap, green way to clean your grapes, especially. And you can do that with a lot of other produce as well. All right. Our second and most downloaded episode was what you never knew about your period. Yes, this is Barian Berry. She was on our podcast. She is a period health coach and she, I mean, I never even knew so many incredible, fascinating things about your monthly cycle. Dudes, if you're in the room, I'm sorry, but this is a fascinating episode and I'm so glad that you liked it. Here is the good stuff. All right. Awesome. So I always tell people we're going to talk about biology. It's going to be a little bit um, science-y, but I promise to bring it back home down to earth where we all speak the same language. So the first phase of your menstrual cycle is menstruation. So this is when you are on your period. Generally, this is going to be days one through seven of your cycle, and you will notice that your energy levels are a bit on the lower side, which I totally understand, respect, and I say and encourage people to just honor that. Allow yourself to bleed and be and just sit with whatever you are feeling because as we are physically releasing, we also need to do that emotionally because that's something we don't talk about a lot. It's something that we don't lean into enough. So once you're done with your period, we then go into the second phase of your cycle called the follicular phase. So this is post-period but pre-ovulation this is when our hormone levels are rising, estrogen is on the rise. So we're starting to feel like ourselves again. And really, we're starting to look and want to serve the external world. So we say during this time, if you want to go out on a coffee date, you do just that. You know, if you want to go out for some green juice, do that. Whatever it is you want to do, as you notice your energy is increasing, again, we want to honor that days eight through roughly 13 or 14, depending on when you ovulate. 
The third phase of the cycle, which is actually the main event of the menstrual cycle altogether, is ovulation. This is a time in which, you know, the egg is released from the ovaries. This is when we are fertile. And this is honestly what our anatomy was designed to do is create a potential life, right? So that is ovulation. During this time, there is a massive surge in your energy because of an increase in certain hormones like estrogen, testosterone, and the luteinizing hormone. And then just after ovulation, which technically only lasts about 24 hours, but you feel the effects of it for, I would argue, a good six or seven days, um, is something called our luteal phase. Now, most of us know this phase as PMS, but I like to say it's personal mystery solved because as (laughs) soon as we get into this phase, we're like, Oh, that's why I'm feeling a little sassier. That's why, you know, I'm a little bit more irritable. But the cool thing about this phase is it is a time for us to slow down and kind of turn within again. Because, you know, for two weeks, we essentially focus on that external world and serving other people. And then there's two weeks out of the month where we should focus on our internal world and serving like, you know, whatever is placed on our hearts or whatever we personally need, you know. So, During that PMS phase, there's actually a decrease in something called estrogen, which is also why you notice a change in your mood. Um, Research shows that when estrogen decreases, there's a decrease in the serotonin. So maybe you deal with like imposter syndrome or, you know, feeling less than amazing, but there's an uptake in another hormone called progesterone. Now, progesterone has a really cool job where it will support a potentially viable pregnancy, and it's also known for increasing our oxytocin levels, which oxytocin is our cuddle hormone. So, you know, you can always tell where someone's hormone levels are based off of how they behave during that phase specifically. But again, this is a time where I tell people, if you're feeling lower energy, just scale it back. Remind yourself to relax because you're now going to be preparing for the next phase or your next cycle altogether menstruation. So that is a high level overview. And I know we just ran through a lot, but if we need to unpack it, we totally can. I, you're, this is amazing. I feel, I feel like you just rocked so many people's worlds in the best way. Hey, if you are new to the truth for your twenties podcast, I just want to say, I'm so thankful that you are here. And if you've been here for a long time and you're one of the faithful ones who keep coming back week after week to listen, I mean, I just means the world to me. And I just Truly, truly want to thank you for your support. It means the world to me. If you enjoy this podcast, I would love to offer mentoring to you. If that's something that sounds interesting, I offer several different forms of mentoring. My most popular is a one-time phone call, which also gives you a discount on monthly mentoring, which is my second option. And then I also have two pre-recorded mentoring sessions. One is called Making a Dating Plan, and the other is Heartbreak to Happily Ever After. All super affordable, super easy and explanatory there on my website, katiebulmer.life and just click on the link for online mentoring. It's just like this, but just more fun. And it goes through all the things, especially as it relates to dating and healthy relationships. And again, I am just so thankful that you're here. Okay. Our third most downloaded episode for 2021 was, I feel like I should do like a drum roll or something. But this was titled answering your questions from TikTok and Instagram. You know, it's funny. I sometimes I did not expect this would be a home run with you guys, but it was a lot of downloads on this episode. And I think it was simply just because it was authentic, kind of off the cuff, literally 
I put one of those question boxes on Instagram and just said, hey, ask me anything. And that's basically what this episode was about. So here is some of the best stuff from that episode. Okay. Another question is how to know if a guy is worth going on a second date with or things to look for in a first date. Well, that is back to making a dating plan. I talk about this a lot, and that is essentially defining some non-negotiable characteristics. I feel like we have kind of confused this as this culture, right? We're like, you need to make a 10-point list and make a million but bullet points and define all the things that are non-negotiables. And then we have, you know, Michael Todd did this whole book called Relationship Goals, and it says rip up your list. And I don't disagree with either one of these. They're both some good points, and they both have some truth to them. The the rip up your list, by the way, if you haven't heard, essentially it's like you can define what's important to you, but it's like presenting that to God and making that quote list with God. Like it is important to me to have a guy who's debt free and six, four awesome. But is that what God wants for you? You know? So that's what that's all about, by the way. And I agree with all that. But the point is when I come to making a dating plan, well, the way I describe it when I talk to girls that I mentor is I have never met anyone who says I'm looking for a porn addicted college dropout who cusses at his mama. But I meet young girls who date these kind of dirtbags because they do not have a dating plan. And essentially that just means what matters to you? What What's important before you get lost in cute eyes and like fun date nights and stuff? What are some things you don't want to compromise on? Ultimately, the only thing I'm going to argue that matters is having a shared faith because Christine Kane recently talked about this. I don't know if you guys follow her. She's really awesome. But she talks about how basically there's a triangle. And I've shared this before if you follow me on TikTok, but the men and women are on the bottom right and left corner of the triangle and God is at the top. And both of them are running toward the prize. And the way Christine Kane shared it is my sights have always been on Jesus and my husband's sights have always been in Jesus. And we got married and we are still running toward the same goal. The only difference is we're doing it together. I was like, dang, that's good. So all that being said, I feel like that is the only non-negotiable. So when it comes to a date, and there's so many more things, like I said, there's books upon books about, you know, compatibility and chemistry and personality types and all of that matters. But Shared faith is your one non-negotiable. And then, you know, what's important to you? Like, do you always want to live in the town that you grew up in on your grandma's property? That's a beautiful thing. That's great. If that's important to you and he's bringing up how he can't wait to move to Aruba for the rest of his life, that might be an issue, you know? Funny side note, my husband and I always joke that I like veggie lovers pizza and he likes meat lovers. And we did not talk about that before we got married. (laughs) It's not a deal breaker, obviously, but it's just kind of a funny joke. So little things that you can think about like, oh, shoot, now we have to have split pizza because I like veggie lovers and he likes meat lovers. I'm totally kidding. That's not a reason to go on a second or third or get married or not get married to someone. But like I said, the one non-negotiable is shared faith. That's my short answer. Okay. Someone else asked how to find your voice and stand up for what is right. Well, my last podcast episode is a lot about that. It's it's called To the Girl Who is Scared to Share Her Story. But one thing I didn't mention in that episode that I wish I would have was about my experience in going viral. And y'all, getting hate on the internet is a real thing. And I get why people 
don't want to talk up about controversial topics because someone who talks about sex on the interwebs, that would be me. I mean, it is stressful and people are mean out there, you know, and I I get it. I get why people don't want to do that. But I mean, this is what I talked about on the episode that at the end of the day, you know, what am I going to do? Like look back on my life and say, I should have, could have, would have. And while I get a random hate comment from user number 725, I just got a DM this very morning with a girl from like 2 a.m. saying, I literally found you three days ago. I just binge listened to a bunch of these podcasts and they are legit changing my life. I mean, it is worth all of the hate comments from random people who like, and first of all, that's not my audience. I'm not talking to Bill who is 50 and lives in his mama's basement. No offense, Bill. I am talking to Sarah and Abigail and the girls who DM me with those messages like that. And so, you know, I heard it said one time, if you're talking to only the people who agree with you, you're doing it wrong and you're not casting a big enough net. And I lived for a long time in this little bubble of not wanting to put a lot on the interwebs and not saying anything too controversial. And I'm still, I'm in a mastermind group and we talk about this all the time. I'm like, okay, guys, you got to hold me accountable. I'm going to say something about sex again on the internet. And And one thing I will note, I always get a controversial post looked at by a trusted friend, usually more than one, because I'm only one human and having another set of eyes for feedback. And like, is this, you know, is this true? Is this honoring? Is this helpful? Those are the questions I ask. And I want other people to help hold me accountable for those questions. So when it comes to speaking up for what matters, having trusted friends in your life to kind of keep you accountable is super important. But again, you know, even though you may get a few haters, like the block button works just fine. And I just think it's worth it. I think it's worth it for you're doing it for the one. I've said this before, but like you really are doing it for the one. And if I would have stayed quiet for what I'm doing now, we wouldn't be having this conversation right now. So I'm really, really passionate about stepping up and speaking out. And if you want to know more, I have a lot more to say about that on my last episode. I caution, I got on the hot seat because it just makes me heartbreaking to know that there are podcasts that should be started, books that should be written, posts that should be published, and they're not because fear is a butt-faced liar. And I will not stand for that. And if I have anything to say about it, anyone listening within my possible reach will know that her voice matters. I'm going to scream it from the rooftops. If you follow me for any length of time, you know, I've overcome so much with that and I'm still very much on this journey, but please, please, please know your voice matters and go listen to that episode. Okay. Another question was how do you find a faith-based community in college? Well, it depends on where you go to school and what communities are available there. I highly recommend Greek University. If you are involved in Greek life, they do amazing things for the Greek community. And then get involved in your local church. I know a lot of people are like, oh, well, I have my home church or for whatever reason, don't want to get involved in a church in their college town. But I know for us, we have kind of, quote, adopted several college students who are at their home away from home in their college town. And it really means a lot when you are a college student to have that family environment. And I remember when I was in school, I I needed a baby doll for some project. I don't even remember what it was. But I was like, dang, if only I knew a family, I'm sure 
families with kids have baby dolls everywhere. But as a college student living, you know, with my roommates, I didn't have any baby dolls laying around. So I had to like go buy uh, however much baby dolls are these days. And that's just one little example. Like if you get involved with a family and just, you know, you can be invited over for dinner and get to learn what different families function like. I just think it's really important to be involved in a local community. And then you also get to know what is important to you in a home church when you grow up and go into the real world and decide what kind of church you're looking for when you, you know, become a 20 something, an adult and maybe get married and have kids one day. So those are just reasons. I think it's really important to get involved in a local church. All right, here we go. How do I know if I've found the one? I am quite confident every time I have put a poll out, hey, we're doing a Q&A podcast episode. Someone always asks me, how do you know if I found the one? Well, I also did a little mini book on this because I get this question a lot. And here is what I have to say about that. So I believe the one is a myth. Oh, Katie, that's so unromantic. Okay, just hear me out. If we believe the one myth, then we will marry, quote, the one thinking that they will complete us and all of our life will be sunshine and rainbows. But then we will get hit with bills and stress and toddler tantrums in real life into which a lot of people think, huh, maybe I just didn't marry the one or life wouldn't be so hard. But in reality, the gift of marriage is a lifelong journey of two flawed humans learning to love what it looks like to love someone like Jesus loved us. I believe, and I've said this before, that the marriage relationship on earth is a little glimpse of how much God loves us. Our goal as a husband, as a wife, is to show up every day as and show our spouse love as Jesus loved us. That is a responsibility and a gift. Every day when Brian is at his best and at his worst, I get the opportunity to show up and be a little mini Jesus to him and love him unconditionally. And him, that lucky fella, gets to do the same for me. And what a gift. And again, even at our best and even at our worst, yes, it is harder to give love to someone when they are being a pain in the rear. But when we are being a pain, isn't that when we need it the most? That's when we are insecure or feeling low or whatever it is. And that is how marriage is designed. God was like, I know these flawed humans need someone to love them unconditionally. And while no human does that perfectly, he invented this idea, the very beginning, Adam and Eve, this idea of marriage, this idea of you and me through thick and through thin, even when you listen to the daggum serpent, (laughs) even when you're stubborn, like I, he invented this gift of marriage to give us a little earthly glimpse of his heavenly, relentless, everlasting, unconditional love. It's freaking beautiful. Dang, that is what the one is about. So I say you're the one is whoever you choose to be the one. Now, like we talked about earlier, there's so much to unpack. I mean, there's a lot of different reasons why some people are going to be a better fit than others. Number one, non-negotiable is shared faith, but your one is who you choose to be the one. Here's the good news about that though. Dating is an incredible opportunity to define what matters to you, define some non-negotiables, think about where you want to be in 10 years. Are you two on the same path? Do you have the same values? And that might help you narrow down and sort through and think through who do I want standing beside me when I'm 30 and have baby spit up in my hair? Like 
that's the kind of person through thick and through thin that you want beside you. And that's character. That is your character. Like, and I'm not one of those people who say that good looks don't matter because they matter. I get it. You want him to be hot and you always want to have that attraction and want to rip each other's clothes off. That is healthy. Okay. So while I do believe this whole the one business is a myth, because ultimately we're all made to worship. All of us are made to worship something. Some people worship boyfriends, money, fame, popularity. We all worship something. And I know when I was your age and a lot of young women I mentor are worshiping the idea of finding the one and thinking that that is all they need in life. I hate to break it to you. It's unfair and untrue. I say it all the time on this podcast. It's unfair and untrue for a sinful human being to put all of that on them that, you know, they're going to disappoint you. Even the best of husbands and wives are going to disappoint you because they're never made to fill that void. There's only one savior and your boyfriend is not him and you are not theirs either. Okay. And the number one downloaded episode and it's runner up are both about pornography. (laughs) Uh, I never would have chosen those two, but you know, when you have a viral video and it happens to be one of the most recent episodes and I was promoting no porn November, it just all the stars aligned and they were both very well downloaded episodes, but by golly, you know what? The world is talking about it every left and right. So I just want to be a voice as I said, offering truth around uncomfortable topics. And even if it got me a few um, negative reviews on this podcast, true story, I haven't had a negative review in two years and got a few negative reviews. By the way, if you would like to leave a positive review, I would not be sad about it. Anyways, here we are having hard conversations. The second runner up was the interview with Fight the New Drug. I highly recommend them. If you or anyone you know or love that struggled with porn, um, incredible organization just offering education around this topic. And number one, well, we'll get to that in a second. First, number two, my interview with Fight the New Drug. The lead researchers in the world, are you familiar with the Gottmans? Yes, yeah. The Gottmans, yeah. Julian John Gottman. They, for a long time, they wouldn't talk to pornography consumption, but they've worked with thousands of couples and they've done decades of research. They are the lead experts in the world when it comes to relationships. And I do want to share a quote from them because they pretty recently talked about the the effects that pornography can have on relationships. And one of the, like a portion from their statement is really, really powerful and really telling. It says, we are led to unconditionally conclude that for many reasons, pornography poses a serious threat to couple intimacy and relationship harmony. And so I just want to say that again, because it's so important that we are led to unconditionally conclude that for many reasons, pornography poses a serious threat to couple intimacy and relationship harmony. And so if you have listeners and people that you're mentoring and they're in relationships, according to Julian John Gottman, unconditionally conclude, I guess that's kind of a way of saying that no matter what, in some way, this is going to affect your relationship. It doesn't mean that you're going back to kind of what I said originally. It doesn't mean that your partner is going to act out in a way that's illegal. It doesn't mean that your partner is going to act out in a way that is violent or that is non-consensual, but it can be, it can get to that. And the thing about neuroplasticity, going back to brain changes is that it can, like none of us are above it. You talked about how both women, guys, it doesn't matter what your, all these diversifying factors. It doesn't matter what your religious stance is. It doesn't matter what your, it doesn't matter what the gender is. It doesn't matter what the political stance is like. 
socioeconomic status, like nothing, none, none of this matters. None of us are above this. We're all human. And those brain changes can happen to really any of us. And so again, it goes back to making an educated decision. So if you care about a person, you should have this conversation, especially if you're considering dating this person seriously, or if you have meaningful relationships, pornography can disrupt them. Okay. While both the runner-up and first place episode were on the same subject, they're both, as you can tell, very different conversations. But the number one episode, yes, of course, a large part due to that viral video, but Cassidy, gosh, has been such an incredible voice. And I, I told her, you know, I'm just can't wait to say I knew you when. And when that video, you know, took off, we, her and I were texting back and forth and like, Oh my gosh, did you see this crazy person and just encouraging each other because it's just crazy out there, especially when you're talking about controversial topics and especially when, you know, it's uncomfortable and you have to get vulnerable to share hard topics like that. Anyway, I just cannot say enough good things about the genuine person this girl is. And you can tell just from this clip on our conversation. I hope you listen to the full episode, but here is a clip from my conversation with Cassidy on our number one downloaded episode on the Truth for Your 20s podcast. And it wasn't until a couple months ago that I decided like, why don't I just share my whole testimony? And to be honest, like I'm very, I'm a very open person. And so anybody could ask me, you know, like, what is your biggest struggle? And I'd say like, oh, you know, relationships, or I'd say not, you know, following God close enough but I never was vulnerable enough to say pornography. And that was something I, you know, had been introduced to at the age of nine in fourth grade by a friend. She had used her mom's phone to show me stuff. And I was like, oh my gosh, like you can delete search history. And so ever since then, it spiraled into a, you know, decade long addiction that nobody knew anything about. And just recently, like I said, a couple months ago, the Lord put on my heart, like share your testimony. And I was like, I have been like, what are you talking about? And he was like, are you really though? And I was like, oh, okay, maybe I'm not. And so I started like self-reflecting and I was like, what am I keeping out of my testimony? And I knew the answer. I just didn't want to know the answer because oh, once girl, you know it, yes. like you got to You got to deal with it. Sounds and so, like Jonah. Like, oh, no, I, I'm good, God. I'm good. Look at all the good. Yeah. I did that. I was like, I'm going to go serve the homeless. He's like, what? This is my testimony. He's like, uh, I want you to share your testimony with sorority women. Like, no, 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 thank you. <laughs> yeah, literally, I was like, yeah, no, thanks. I'll stick with my, you know, my polished, very perfect looking testimony. And he was just like, who is that going to help? Who is that going to benefit? Like the made up polished testimony that you have that you've been serving all these people on a silver platter, like that's not helping my people that are far from me. And I was like, oh, shoot. And I could just like (laughs) feel it like I needed to open up about it. And, you know, it's scary. Like, you know, having coming from high school where everybody knew you as this like perfect Christian and you have all these friends and you're, you know, somewhat popular to now saying like, I'm broken, I'm not perfect. And I watched this super shameful stuff that I've been watching for years, but I'm not weird. I promise like trying to promise people that you're not weird because you've been addicted to this thing for so long. And so I started opening up about it. And it was one video I posted in the car. And I was like, you know what, I'm just gonna post this out there. Some girl out there will get this like, I'm sure maybe one person will. And all of a sudden, it just kind of blew up. And I had about, I think it was like 90k before from just posting random stuff about my faith. But after I posted that video, I gained over, I think it was 100,000 followers in a week. And it's all like girls and some guys in there mixed in that are struggling with pornography because nobody talks about it enough. Like, and the one person that does speak out about it, it's like, oh my gosh, like everybody's drawn to it because they want help. They want freedom. They want, you know, somebody to talk to. And so my DMs are flooded with messages and 
part of me feels bad because I'm like, there's no way I can respond to all these messages, you know, in my lifetime. But another part of me is like, I'm so glad these people are searching for something. They're open to getting healing. And so that's kind of just been a long, long story short of my journey so far. But okay, I love it. So this video in the car, I saw it, but give us a little (laughs) breakdown about what you said. Okay, so basically in the car, I was just like, I was just kind of opening up a little bit about, you know, my porn addiction. And I had said, like, you know, if you do struggle with porn, like there is a way out. And I went into saying that pornography causes commitment issues and intimacy issues in humans. And I've seen that very evidently in my life. I dated, you know, guy to guy to guy in high school. And I never figured out, like, maybe it's because I'm clicking from video to video to video. And then I'm going from guy to guy to guy. Like, I never put that together. And I shared that in the video and I got, you know, thousands of messages saying like, oh my gosh, like me and my boyfriend, like we feel the same way. He can't commit to me. He cheats on me. And, you know, I've been, another girl was like, I've been introduced at the age of, I think she was like four. And ever since then, yeah, I've had like a, a history of being abused. And then I, you know, go from guy to guy to guy. I'm just never satisfied. And it was something I had been wrestling with because I'm now in a relationship that I am fully, you know, satisfied with and waiting for marriage and everything. But I have this feeling every now and then like I'm bored, like I want something else. And I had to come to terms with like, that's what it had done to my mental health. Like porn had caused that for so long and bringing awareness to that and helping other people that are struggling that realize like it's not doing nothing to you. Like it's not just satisfying you and you're clicking off of it. Like it's harming your mental health. And there's some people that, you know, like you were saying earlier, like the backlash from it and There's some people that are like, no, like I've been with my girlfriend forever and I've been watching it and it's fine. And I'm like, okay, you just like said what I was saying. Like you're, you're not satisfied in that relationship. So you're, you know, not committing to her. And so you're watching it online. Like you're testifying to what I just said. And so it's hard, you know, with those, you know, very, you know, diverse opinions and everything. But that's what I kind of said. And it was taken, you know, for the most part, good. But then on the other part, there was comments where it was like, that's disgusting. You shouldn't be opening up about this. That's not true. Like porn is so good for my mental health. I've been in millions of relationships. And I'm like, no way. Okay. Again, yeah. testifying what I just said. So I've been learning over the past two years of healing from this addiction is it creates false senses of expectations. Like the amount of, like, I mean, like the whole entire thing is a lie. Let's just be honest. Let's just crack it open for what it is. It's a lie. It's two actors or however many actors going on there and pretending that they're satisfied by each other, which the studies have shown most of the actors on there don't even, you know, aren't even satisfied by the end of it. They just fake it all. Mm-hmm. And so I think like if we were really to start, if we want to start educating people, we need to start educating them on the facts and the stats. And what the fact is, is that it's a lie. Like you're watching something and you're believing you're going to feel that good. You're going to look that good. Every single time is going to be like that. And to be honest, it's not. And I think that's what draws people in is like, it's per- it looks so perfect. And then they go and they want to experience it and it doesn't happen like that because they've molded their minds to being like, okay, well, this is what it's going to look like. And we're going to have to do this. And you know, it's going to be, it's going to look, we have to do all these certain things. I need to learn how to do all those certain things so that he will be satisfied. And to be honest, like, I guess dating Christians or people of, you know, believers, like sex is a gift from God and God will use that however he wants to within your marriage. And so it's not going to be perfect your first time. You know, it is what it is, but God will make it like his own type of perfect. You know, some of the facts that I've been learning recently that have helped me just disconnect from it is that it's a whole sex trafficking ring. I mean, pornography 100% fuels the, tra- the sex trafficking and human trafficking industry. And by watching these videos, we're supporting that. We're saying like, yes, I support, you know, abuse towards women. I support abuse towards, you know, other people during intimate times. And 
you know, I support all these things when in reality, like you're supporting people getting traded, you're supporting people that are getting, you know, whatever, like abused or molested or exploited to like, imagine if that was your daughter online, your future daughter or whatever online, and you're sitting there watching it and fueling money for them to buy more people to do that thing to abuse people. Like that to me was just like utterly disgusting. I was like that I'm done. Like after I got educated, I was like, I'm so done. Like this is, I mean, it's harmful to you, but it's harmful to people around you. Like you're harming the world around you, you know, like love your neighbor. Yeah. But love the people that are on the screen enough to be like, I'm not going to watch that because I know it's hurting you. Well, there you have it, ladies and gentlemen. As promised, I linked all of the full episodes highlighted here on the show notes so you can easily click over and download and listen to those episodes in completion. But I truly appreciate you. I mean, I can't say it enough. Like, I'm just thrilled that anyone listens to what I have to say, much less all of you beautiful people. Thank you so much for hanging out with me in 2021. And I'm looking forward to a beautiful and happy, wonderful time hanging out with you again in 2022. I'm over here giving you a virtual hug because you just finished another episode of the Truth For Your 20s podcast. Would you help a sister out and take a screenshot right wherever you're listening and share it on your social? Give me a tag at Katie Bulmer Life so I can give you a big thank you. You sharing it, you leaving your reviews on iTunes is the best possible compliment you can give. Hey, let's continue to hang out. We have a private community called Truth For Your 20s over on Facebook. So just go to groups, search Truth For Your 20s and come join the party.